Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. My name is David Almeida. I am an actor in Orlando, Florida, and this is my podcast where I sit down with an actor or artist friend. We watch an episode of the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Then I hit record and we talk about the show and anything and everything else that we can think of that might relate to it. My guest this week is Heather Delmont. Heather and I have worked and and currently work together at uh, Disney in various characters, including the frequently mentioned Citizens of Hollywood. Uh, Heather and I, over the years, have realized we are kindred souls in many ways. She, I think, refers to us as the OCD twins. I went back to find it, and I couldn't find it. I think she does say that somewhere here, though. And um, I bring in the fact that we're both we're both really thinky, overthinky people. And I often refer to that as my anxiety brain. So <laughs> we're in good company. Yay! And uh, I think you're going to find Heather quite entertaining. The episode that she and I watched was Season 2, Episode 12, entitled The Secret. And its original air date was February 25th, 1981. So I'm ready to jump on in. This is me with Heather Delmont. Well, here I am with the lovely and talented Heather Delmont. Oh, thank you, Davey. And we are broadcasting possibly from a covert location similar to... Uh, Miss Angie and I, that may or may not be located in a major theme park. Top I, secret. I can neither confirm nor deny that. But Heather and I just watched the episode. I'm, I'm recording remotely from my home. You're, oh, okay. Wink, wink. Wow, yes. That's that's the ticket. We'll go from there. Or our home away from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just watched the episode called The Secret. And um, it was not a, to be confused with the actual secret, not the secret, which it, will, what is what is the basis of the secret? Is it is I'm, that the one where it's like, don't go out of the house without a full face of makeup? No, no. It's basically the power of positive thinking. Oh, OK. And so it's whatever you put out there is what will manifest. OK. Um, which could tie into this episode as well. It very much could. I like the secret, though. Yes. Both this episode and and the, the secret. real secret. I have never uh, read it. Because I figured it was a secret, and I couldn't I've never know read it. it either, but I have the DVD. Oh. Someone bootleg copied for me. And Smart. Actually, can I tell you something? Do. I was so nervous about a certain callback years and years ago that every amazing actress in Orlando was just invited to, but I uh-huh. had to go to the initial audition and then earn the callback. I was so nervous about that callback, knowing everyone that was going to be there, that I had to watch The Secret the night before the callback. Wow. Because I was really in my head about it. Wow. Sorry, that has nothing to do with the facts of life. But no, it has But that's everything. a fact of my life. That's it. <laughs> so yes. there you go. But that is everything to do with you as far as when you say every single talented, super talented woman, every talented, comedic, interactive actress, plus also you are a dancer, singer, musical theater person you don't consider yourself a singer no, no not that anyone would ever pay to hear okay but i can't help but sing but, when the rhythm gets me yeah when you feel as the rhythm, gloria estefan has said feel the rhythm of the music getting stronger don't Try. you fight it till you've tried it yeah uh, so we've just watched this episode it was season two i don't even remember which episode i think it was 11 or something anyway it doesn't matter because uh, we're going to get into this right after I ask you. You said you were nervous before this podcast. You said two seconds ago you were nervous before we started recording. Why are you nervous? I don't know. I get excited about new things, and <laughs> I want. I don't want to. I want your podcast to be loved. <laughs> it, it, it is. I need validation. <laughs> it's loved by threes of listeners, <laughs> as I say, often. Well, this is uh, this is a perfect introduction to you because this is that sort of giddy childlike quality that you bring to everything that you do that is just so delightful and and always a sense of fun and play and uh, so tell me speaking of childlike qualities did you enjoy the facts of life when you were a child is this show important to you I I don't I I don't know if I'd say it was important to me Mm -hmm. but it definitely was something that I watched on a regular basis okay um, and, so I did enjoy it. Of okay. course, you know, I wanted to be Blair with her perfect blonde, oh, thick, curly, yes. perfectly coiffed oh, hairdo. God, did, yes. But then she was annoying at times. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And it bothered me how she would butt heads with Joe, who was probably the... Yeah, probably the best character besides he, Mrs. Garrett. Uh, true, she's the voice of reason. And and we've just gotten this is a this is a Joe episode that we've just watched, mm-hmm. and um, it's they're they're pulling out the big guns because they have big guns. And this is season. This is season two, episode twelve. This is only wow. Nancy McKeon's twelfth episode, and they are giving her so much stuff to do. Yeah. She is so good, and they're like, we got it, let's use it, yep. and wow, to great effect. And uh, cool. So it's good that you have a history with this show as far as uh, growing up with it, as as did I. So let's get into it. Um, do you have, can you give me a two-sentence synopsis of the entire show? Troubled Joe struggles with telling the truth to the girls about her estranged father. Beautiful. One sentence, One bitches. sentence. You got a high five for that. Yes. <laughs> Troubled Joe. <laughs> I hooked you at the top, didn't I? Yep, you did. You did. Wow. You did not bury the lead. So let's get into the synopsis. As as I talk, please interrupt me if anything strikes you or is interesting or whatever. But uh, we begin in the cafeteria. And as I always am happy to see them doing cafeteria-like things. You like cafeterian I love when they have them doing actual work in the cafeteria because that's part of their jobs, all of them, including Mrs. Garrett. And Mrs. Garrett is uh, filling, putting little flowers into the flower, into the bud vases. I loved it. As far as, so she was sniffing the flowers and so happy. So happy to be sniffing the fake flowers Uh, from old time pottery that are three different flowers connected by a plastic (laughs) base. Yes, I noticed. (laughs) I didn't even notice that. You might know better. You said we were the OCD people of... Our um, area and uh, yeah, <laughs> we we work together at Citizens of Hollywood and yeah, you and I do share a lot of like straightening out chairs and that that table is not equidistant from the wall and yeah, we both lots of sleep ni- sleepless nights. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> um, so the episode kind of kicks right in with Blair and Joe coming in and Blair is Blair is all happy and ecstatic. She's like, Mrs. Garrett, I've done it again. Joe has won the Best New Student Award. And it's like Joe says, yeah, thanks, Blair. Uh, I didn't have anything to do with it. And Mrs. Garrett does say a funny, she says, oh, Joe, I'm so happy. You've come a long way, baby. (laughs) For those who don't know what that is. Sponsored by Virginia Virginia Slims. Slims. Yeah, Yeah, that's a Virginia Slims cigarette. As in, there was a time when a woman could not smoke in public. And it shows a like a turn of the century, you know, like a tin type of a woman in a wool one piece bathing suit trying to smoke a cigarette and people looking on aghast. But then we would cut to a nice modern woman of the 70s yeah. smoking in public. And it was, you've come a long way, baby. We've made it now. We yeah, can smoke. You can smoke. Give yourself yeah. cancer. You can do the stupid things that men do. Yes. Uh, so that's just a funny thing. And by the way, you are invited to do your bad Mrs. Garrett impression at any point along the way. If you okay. want to join me, that is, that is an open invitation Thank you. to join my bad Mrs. Garrett invitation. Um, so it's just a little bit of play with Blair trying to be the one putting the focus on herself for Joe winning the student of the new best new student award. Then Tootie and Natalie come in. And there's a lot of um, fighting, sort of like a come on, hurry up type of a thing. And what it is is that Tootie has a stack of mail. And Natalie is very eager to get a piece of mail and is rushing Tootie along. And at one point, Mrs. Garrett does refer to Tootie as the mail monitor. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure we've, uh, well, I know we've never heard that in the past. I don't know if we ever hear that again about Tootie being a male monitor that might be fabricated solely for the purpose of this show. Could be. I feel like maybe for that school. Yeah, for the for the Eastern she's school. She's in charge of distributing. The mailman brings it to the school, and then she's got to yeah. pass it out. But she has so many duties already at the cafeteria. It's Nothing like, she can't handle, because what? Guess. She's come a long way, baby. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Um, so let's make a drinking game out of that phrase. Yeah. Oh, wow. That'd be fun. Starting let's, now. Let's do it right now. Um, so the book. Not is, us here, though. What? what? Not us here. Not today. us. No, no, we are not. We are. We are technically on duty. We're just on break. Set duty. Um, <laughs> so the book that Natalie is looking for, to my great surprise, is 
the films of the Three Stooges. And there was an episode in season one mm. where uh, a boy bought Natalie a book. And the Natalie was overjoyed at like, oh my God, my favorite. The Life and Times of Mo, Larry, and Curly. Really? And it's like, well, come on. I, I was a little bit like... Three Stooges are a boy thing. That's not a girl. Were you into the Three Stooges when you were even a little kid? Mm, I mean, I no, not into them. I watched them. Yeah. Them and the Little Rascals, and I both in, I enjoyed them very much. Yeah. But I into, like, into, sure, that might be a hard sell. But of any of the four girls, she'd be the one to like them the most. Well, the good thing is that they then take this. So this is a carryover from season one. And season one, as we know, was horrible and could have been completely obliterated, burned, and forgotten. But they've been good about bringing these elements back. And in this one, we learn that Natalie is doing some type of a paper about something like why we laugh or something. Like some type of an analytical uh, paper about the art of comedy. And then uh, Mrs. Garrett even says, oh, that sounds so nice. And then uh, Natalie acts out some of the Three Stooges things too fair to Midland effect yeah and laugh it's just kind of like we got to give natalie something funny to do because she's not really involved in this <laughs> right. episode that much so she does like the eye poke and ooh, and kind of acts them out and it's it's okay thankfully she gets the last laugh of the three that she does but it's like okay it's fine whatever um so thank you writers for bringing the three stooges back through natalie through a feasible and applicable way then the the, the episode's real plot gets set into motion because Tootie discovers she has accidentally opened a letter that was not hers. It was Joe's. And it was legitimately an accident. And or was it? What, it wasn't. I believe Kim Fields is an actress. I really do. Um, and, and she had no reason to snoop because there was no reason to suspect. She, according to her, Joe always talked about her father being in Miami. Mm-hmm. And this letter has revealed that Joe's father is actually in the state slammer, as they call it. And soon we find not just the state slammer, the New York state slammer. He's not even in Florida. He's there in New York. And so this discovery is kind of like, uh, and Tootie says, if I, if I just give this letter to Joe open, she's going to think I snooped. And Mrs. Garrett says, oh, maybe not. And Tootie's kind of like... Have you heard my reputation? Right. Come on. And it's true. That's what her function is, and it's beautiful. And Mrs. Garrett's kind of like, yeah, you're sort of right. <laughs> so she says, well, we'll take care of it. And then we move on into the next scene in the bedroom, the girl's bedroom. Natalie and Blair are working on Joe's hair. There's a wig on the table. I really wanted to see her try the wig on. Inexplicably. It's beautiful. The presence of a wig. It was kind of nice. Yeah. It would have it would have looked good on her. It was a little more shorter and stylish, had a little more bouncing and behaving going on. It was kind of like a brunette Blair almost with layers. Yeah. Absolutely. But 70s, but it didn't look so ugly, period. It looked like good, period, like she could have pulled it off. Mm-hmm. But no mention is made of this wig. No mention is made of where it comes from. Um, and the fact that Natalie is working on... Joe's hair does feed into this one episode in season one where Natalie and Tootie were talking about opening up their own hair salon. Uh, So it's like, writers, wow, you're killing me with this justifying the shit you handed us. Way to tie it in. In season one, exactly. Wow, were they the ones that moved on to write Seinfeld? Uh, No, they probably (laughs) were. Or or Cosby or something, you know. Um, we, We should look that up. Can uh, I say my favorite part of the room? Say your favorite part of the, the room. The poster next to the lower bunk. Was that Sean Cassidy? Oh, we will have to look and oh. see now. Um, He's my teenage dream. Well, my child dream. Make... There. That is totally. Sean? Yep. Yes, that is Sean Cassidy yes. in the lower bunk. Lower bu- and lower bunk is Natalie's. Okay. Blair is in this end. Uh, Joe is the bed in the middle. Tootie's the upper bunk because she's the little one, and right. Natalie is on the bottom. Boom, me and Natalie. I'll fight you for him, Nat. So, yes, if you have anything else you love about the room, absolutely. Oh, my God. I just noticed. Typically, I don't pull it up to look at it, mm-hmm. but we just pulled this up. There is a big stuffed tiger in the window. That tiger has a fucking sombrero on it. Oh, yes. I saw the sombrero, but I wasn't sure what it was sitting on. 
Here's the deal. We've talked about in season one, there were sombreros always on the walls of the dorm room that was would double and triple for all the different girls' rooms, and they would mm-hmm. try to dress it differently. Okay. But there were always sombreros on the back. I had never noticed a sombrero in the bedroom. Now I've got to go back and see if they've appeared at all. I've got, this is episode 12. So we have to, I have to go back and look at the other 11 and see if it's there. I've got some homework to do. I will post it on the website. (laughs) Cross-reference. Take note, it's a pinkish, reddish trimmed sombrero. Yeah, we'll have to identify that. Absolutely. (laughs) We'll take some forensic samples. So Mrs. Garrett comes in and she says, Joe, let's talk just you and me. Tootie is feeling guilty because it's hard for her to keep her mouth shut. And basically, Mrs. Garrett says here, this letter got opened. She Mm -hmm. does a beautiful little perjuring of herself. This letter got opened by accident. And Joe reads it and realizes that it has revealed that her father is in jail. And um, Mrs. Garrett even says, it was a mistake, scouts honor. And it's like, you go, Mrs. Garrett, because you didn't say it was you. You just said it was. And then Joe wonders if it could have been somebody. She says, oh, well, you know, at least it was you and it wasn't Tootie because mm-hmm. Tootie would have blabbed everybody about it. And Blair, Blair would totally look down on me even more. So she states a little bit her reasons why you might think she would feel the need to conceal this. And uh, we do find out that um, he walked out when she was 12. She is 16 now. That's four years ago. The this might be a little bit of a retcon because in the season premiere they talk about her mom and dad. I think they talk about her mom and dad splitting up, her mom divorcing recently, causing her to send her off to this school. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if it's necessarily the mom and the dad, or it might be another husband. But the mom's last name is Polnicek, just like Joe and the dad. So this may be a little bit of a an adjustment to the Joe, uh, the Joe. Uh, Storyline, okay. The the facts of life, cinematic universe, the FOLCU. Um, <laughs> but we know that he walked out on her when she was twelve, and the crime that he committed was he stole some typewriters from a factory where he worked. And Joe makes no bones that she has a lot of anger towards him, and Mrs. Garrett says. Why don't you talk to him? Why don't you do it? Why don't you get it out of your system instead of letting it fester inside of you like this? And she says, well, he's all the way up in Albany. and um, But Albany is famous for vanilla. For vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> Little Mrs. known fact. Mrs. Garrett says, perfect. I have to drive to Albany this Saturday. And Joe's like, why? And she says, I need vanilla. Need vanilla. <laughs> they have been well known for their vanilla. And that's perfect that you and I got this episode because uh, here at work, you and I are also the baking maniacs. Yes. You, you are a way far more advanced bake, bakeress than I am. Oh, please. No, you're very good and adventurous with your recipes. Oh, well. I tend to stick with what works and don't very much. Well, I, I even less than that. I'm like, wow. But no, you seem to. We... My mouth is watering for some licking of the cookie dough bowl at your annual oh, holiday baking soiree. I do a cookie party every year where we get to bake. And it's you and me and our friend Lisa, who will be on the show very soon Yay. if I have my way. But yeah, we love doing our baking around the holidays. Oh, yes. Um, so it is determined that Joe is going to go talk to him and visit him in prison and with the determination, and I'm going to get him out of my life once and for all. So it is her intention to go, tell him off, get closure, and then move on. So then we move on to the next scene in the prison. And she is sitting on the side of the glass with the phones, that lovely standard prison set. They see her, we see her walking with another girl, so she's not alone. It's like, oh, it's clearly visiting day. Yes. Type of a thing. That girl looked like she was there for a different kind of visit, though. Oh, no, really? I don't know. She seemed a little extra flirty and happy to be visiting someone in prison. Oh, but she, I didn't even pay attention to that. Um, wow. Can we discuss how immaculate the prison was? It, for as far as prisons go, wow. Wow. Go, go right ahead. T- tell, yeah. me, tell me more about your thoughts on the that. The phones, the walls, the counters. It was shocking. Like, look at how clean that is. Yeah. I mean, it's... See a, how excited she was? Yeah, that's right. She, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, she's all, oh, hi, when she sits down in her little cubby. Because well, I wasn't sure at first if she was a friend of Joe's that went with her. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. Because when they arrived together, it was 
But yeah, we've just pulled this up here. I mean, it is a prison. It, it is a cinder block. It has some chain link. Um, it's very well coordinated. It's all shades of green mm-hmm. and gray. That beautiful 70s green. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the avocado green. It was so big. Well, then we meet Joe's dad, played by brilliant character actor Alex Rocco. He is awesome. He comes back in future. We do see him again on the show. He does play her father uh, a couple more times. And um, I he has uh, a lot of credits, and I meant to look this up. I feel like he was in The Godfather or something. Like he was one of the supporting players. Mm. And he's originally from Boston. Okay. I do know that. So he's a fellow Bostonian, but often plays New York and very Italian and always kind of has that that demeanor. And he's he is in so many ways perfect casting-wise. I agree. As far as the sort of... The the gentle guy that you could imagine, I do not want to see him mad. I imagine that could get really ugly. ugly. Yeah. So, uh, Jinx, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he is good, but he but there is still a warmth to him, uh, a, a genteelness. Um, Can I back it up for two seconds? Please do. One of my favorite lines that Joe delivered was when they both picked up the phones to talk to each other through the jail glass. Oh, yeah. She said, this is weird. I could have called you from school. <laughs> I just said, I just love the humor sprinkled in with such serious content. Yeah. It's, it, you know. Yeah. It's it like, yeah, I come all this out. way to talk to you on the phone, you know. Uh, exactly. It's pretty cool. But then the conversation uh, starts with, she says, I've got a lot to say. And he jumps right in with... I know it's lousy that I'm in jail. I'm so ashamed. It's terrible. I failed you. He is immediately, instantaneously apologetic and contrite. Mm-hmm. And I think that takes her back. She's taken aback by that. that yeah. Oh, okay. I was coming here to tell you that yep. sort of a thing. And then um, he even says, uh, I hear you're doing really good at that school. And she's like, you didn't call the school, did you? And he's like, no, your mother writes to me and tells me about Blair and Tootie and Natalie. Like, he knows their names. Mm-hmm. And again, she's like, you you keep up with me? You care? Again, the implication is you care enough that you actually know and remember those yep. names. And he wants to be there for her award. Uh, exactly. He um, says he got his high school diploma, which he didn't have before. Um, and... Yeah, the sort of surprise here that he kind of, the the thing he did hold back from her was he's about to get parole. He was about to get out, but he just wrote to her saying, I'd like to see you and just sort of feel out what the situation was going to be. And so Joe was suddenly faced with, you know, first first plan, I was going to going to tell him off and get out of my life altogether. Yep. Then it was, oh, this isn't the guy I thought he was going to be. And then you want to actually come to school and meet my friends when I haven't told them about you. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, quite a conundrum for a 16-year-old girl to find herself in. But she plays all those levels so well. She God. first walks in. She's very tentative about even looking at him. Yeah. And she's you know got all that pent-up anger going on. But then through the conversation and her being surprised by him saying those things that he knows about what's going on every part yes. of her life. So she starts to kind of open up and, yeah. you know, and then she's, you know, kind of strong and not naive, but but very innocent in the end, like as a child should be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, wow, she rocked all, that. All those levels of yes. the, the child who had to grow up too fast yeah. type of a thing. And yeah, Nancy McKeon is so damn good on this show. And as I'm revisiting all of these in season two, as they're pulling out the big guns, um, Realizing as the show progresses, there's less and less chance for them to show that off. Mm-hmm. As she gets older, as Joe becomes more uh, woven into the fabric of these other girls. And um, and it's it's kind of a shame because, well, I, I guess on one hand it's a shame, but on the other hand it is so fantastic that there is this documentation of this extraordinary young actress mm-hmm. that is clearly unappreciated, underappreciated, and I mean... I, she consistently surprises me and and my guests on the show as now, to how when, good she is. If if she were, li- she will be listening to this clearly. Mm-hmm. So what would you want her to hear you say right now? Nancy McKeon, <laughs> if you're listening to the show, I just want you to know I love you so much, and you're so awesome on the show, 
and I want to be your best friend. And please tell Mindy Cohn and Kim Fields and Lisa Welch we could all hang out sometime. And uh, yeah, I and I, I liked you on Dancing with the Stars. She yeah, that's right. You watched her on that. You're because you're a dancer. You're you are more inclined to watch that. I watch that. I, I don't watch Dancing with the Stars because I have no appreciation at all. Because uh, I'm a Claude. But, um, no, you're not. You're a very good dancer. Oh, I remember well. Dart. <laughs> but the deal is, at the end of the scene, what we have is her just this slow zoom in on her, and the slow silent fade. No applause. No anything. And and it's a really very cool moment. It's it's a great cliffhanger moment of what is she going to do? What is she going to say? Mm-hmm. So this brings us to the commercial break of the show. But we didn't have to deal with that. No, we didn't. But on the commercial break portion here of this show, Uh I like to talk to my guests and get to know them and give you a little quick chance to introduce yourself to the world. Heather Dalmott. Yes. Tell me, where were you born? I was born in Michigan, outside of Detroit. But I like to tell people I'm from Detroit so that they don't mess with me. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, where were you raised? In the same place or did you... I split. Yeah, I was raised for a bit up in Michigan as well as outside of Atlanta, Georgia. How do you go from Michigan to Atlanta? My mom got a job transfer. Oh, had a girl. So yes, from grades two through nine, I lived outside of Atlanta. And then before and after that was in Michigan. But I spent a lot of long summers in Michigan visiting my grandparents as well as holiday breaks and whatnot. So Uh that always felt like permanent home. Michigan was home home. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, So Midwest girl. But that was, you know, the time of my life where I was watching The Facts of Life was... During my Atlanta years. And I think that's the... Where I went to school with a lot of Blairs. Oh, no, really? Well, yeah. They wow. were... It was a wealthy area. Oh, okay. But were They you... got Acura Integras when they turned 16. Oh, jeez. Wow. Or BMWs. That's crazy. So you were clearly not the Blair. You totally were totally the... going to get one. No, I was... Yeah, no. <laughs> you did not grow... You did not grow up the privileged girl among the Blairs. Not like that. The Heathers, as we would say now. Yes. But... Okay. And um, where did you study as far as to become a performer? And then ultimately, what brought you to Orlando? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, I've always grown up performing in some way, shape or form. So it was dance as a young kid and then Mm -hmm. kind of like cheerleading and um, some theatrics in high school. But I was never really serious about uh, plays and theater and acting. Uh I was always dance and moving my body. Right. Okay. and then I came to Florida to work for Walt Disney World on the college program. Oh, okay. You're a CP kid. Yes. Okay. I did a couple of CPs, actually. Okay. And you worked in the character department? No, they didn't. That wasn't a thing back then. Oh. I worked in attractions at the former Disney MGM Studios. Wow. Back when it had its old name. Yes. That's oh, that's cool. I did not realize. It was realize. fun. You we were... worked in the water tank, so we got to pick guest volunteers and dress them up in rain gear and <gasps> dump water on them. And then we also got to do the little Dick Tracy um, prop room. Uh-huh. And then the giant bee. Do you remember that from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? We yeah. would put kids yeah. in front of a green put them screen on, top of the on bee. a bee. Yes, totally. That was, was this part of the Backlot Tour? It was, was. It was like the big beginning third of the Backlot Tour. Okay. And then other folks kind of took over from there and did the soundstage tour. And then there was the shuttle part of it. Yeah, which took you to Catastrophe Canyon. Yes. And then at the end to the sort of center where you'd find the memorabilia. Yeah. And more importantly, the gift shop. Of course. Yes, of course. Um, And so then from there, you moved into, you auditioned and you moved into the entertainment and Eventually, the yeah. equity roles. And Took a while, but it was worth it. You, I had a lot to, of things to learn and a lot of amazing people to meet along the way. Um, Well, I first met you, did I meet you? Was it when we did Zombies from the Beyond? I think so. Did we know each other before then? We might have peripherally, as all actors in Orlando yeah, hear maybe. Of or see or see each other in plays or whatever. Definitely. Type of a thing. And uh, it was a play called Zombies from the Beyond. And you were the choreographer. You weren't even in it. You were so fantastic. I have oh. waxed your car so many times and you go into humble. Oh, stop. Oh, stop. You, there are, chore- as a non-dancer, as just a person who watches and it's a language I don't speak, I can step touch sometimes. But, um... To watch a choreographer who gets it, who hears the music and creates the movements where you go, oh, yeah, of course. Oh, that, wow. That, that matches what the music is doing as opposed to 
lesser choreographers where it's just okay this is movement and it is and it is moving parallel to the beats that we're hearing thank you the stuff that you did for that show was so beautifully organic to the silliness holy crap and the humor that it required because it's a show about zombies. Thank you. Well, that gave me chills and that's so kind. Oh. And you are, you can dance and you were amazing. <sighs> and thank you for your patience because you saying you're a non-dancer and, and maybe being nervous about walking into that type of situation yeah. and that there were a lot of songs. Yeah. I mean, it's a musical. <laughs> There's a ton of choreography to learn yeah. and everybody rocked it and everybody worked so hard and people learned it so quickly and thank you and let me tell you that I did not realize what I was getting myself into Mm -hmm. but I'm grateful because that was one of the most fun times I've ever had working on a show that I wasn't even in yeah, you said that they asked you to like, there was a tap number. And yeah, they said, can, can you, you do the tap? We just need you to put together a tap number. Yeah, for one of the And then we go to the, the rehearsal, and then uh, every song that uh, Jay's push and play on, he's like, well, uh, yeah, we could maybe put a little something together. Like, we need to dance for this one, too. <laughs> Nine songs later, yeah! we've choreographed a musical. <laughs> and that is the wonderful Jay Hopkins and yeah. Jester Theater. And we love any time you can work with them. Anybody listening out there, I highly recommend working And with working at the Garden Theater. The Garden and that, Theater. Was that your second season? It was very early. Really yeah, early. I mean, that was back early. in 2008, right? It so, was. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that was, was fun. right in between the end of my corporate job and the beginning of my Disney life. It was the, the idea that I got laid off from a 16-year corporate job. And to be like, well, at the very least, I actually have this professional show that was actually paying i was like oh i actually have a true acting gig already in line that i can be working while i try to find other work and maybe yes. see if i might audition for you're a too legit bar? to quit davy i oh, i'm telling you but not too legit to be fired <laughs> <laughs> as art knock knock for micah Anyway, and as we said before, you and I have found that we're kindred souls based upon little, slightly compulsive personalities, slightly anxious-brained, overthinky people. Oh, yes. We've already agreed that we... I love what you told me after... After I lost a loved one, which is a weird thing to discuss, but um, when you said we're the types that play out every like worst case scenario in yeah. our minds so that when the worst case scenario actually happens mm-hmm. it's not as hard to deal with mm-hmm. as we've worked it up to be in our minds yeah which so i feel is very effective thinking it's it's I, exhausting I really, it is tiring it's very time consuming and i'm sure everyone hates us no but um no. <laughs> i i that you know it's yeah. good it's yeah, good. We have each other when the chips are down, when it's uh, when people are like, uh, do you really have to straighten out that shelf? We don't have to organize everything. Everything doesn't need to have a place. Yes, it does. Right. Yes, yeah. it does. I mean, it might be a mess, but if we know where to find it in the mess, you're going to be thanking us, people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Preach. Preach, my sister. And then we uh, feed the anxiety brain with as much sugar as we can get our hands Coma on. Coma brownies. Uh, coma brownies, my coma brownies. And oh, last thing, name a commercial from the time or any commercial from your childhood that you might associate or just think of a commercial from your childhood. Putting you on the spot. Oh my God. Uh, you're not fully clean unless you're zest fully clean. Zest soap. <laughs> wow. You know what? As a child in my bathtub, I used to do like fake soap commercials. Oh my- I would sit on the tub and put a wash my wet washcloth over the side of the tub and scrub one side of the washcloth really hard with the bar of soap. Uh-huh. And then I would narrate the commercial saying, <laughs> well, this side was washed with, you know, with zest, zest or whatever, <laughs> Irish Spring. And this side was... Remember, they would always say Oh, yeah, do they that always say, yeah, this side. shirt is whiter when you use... You know, gleam toothpaste or no, that's not right. Anyway, yeah. but I know totally I those those that. commercials Just are kidding. awesome. I will post some of them on the website. <gasps> oh, I can't wait! Yes. I love. Co- you know, my grandma said. See, now I'm doing too much talking. No, no, no. This is this is all happy. When I was growing up, my grandma and I would be baking at the kitchen counter, and she would be watching her stories or whatever. Uh-huh. And then anytime the commercials came on, that's when I would leave and run over to watch TV. Oh, was during all the commercials. During the commercials. You were a young consumer in the making. I was. You were like every TV executive. You were like, you were Boom. their wet dream. You I'm were the there. sucker. Yeah. Oh, we have a Gotta young Gotta have mind. Flintstones chewables. <laughs> exactly. Gotta have Need that orange juice. Honeycomb's big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need that kid's toothpaste. No, <laughs> exactly. 
I need all the toys. Yeah. Oh, the toy. The toy commercials. Good God. I can't even begin. To Can I ask what your favorite toy was growing up? Mascatron. Mascatron what the heck is that? was part of the Six Million Dollar Man series. Okay. He was not an actual character from the TV show. But with the Fembots, remember the Fembots episodes of the, it was, a, it was a carryover. It was a big deal. It was like a mini series because it was multi-parts. It was like three or four parts that they went between the Six Million Dollar Man and the Bionic Woman. Okay. And Six Million Dollar Man was ABC. Bionic Woman was NBC. Whoa. This was not just cross-show. This was cross-network. Not was happening th- these days. Big fucking deal. Yeah. And the Fembots were these female robots that were also killing machines and going to take over the world and yada yada. Um, And at one point they did make a a fembot robot version of Oscar Goldman. And the big twist was they can make one of a dude too. Oscar Goldman being the boss of Steve Austin and Jamie Summers. Well, they introduced into the doll line for the $6 million man bionic woman. They introduced this guy called Mascatron. And he was like a male version of a fembot he had faces that could clip off. Ooh. He had his own face, which was kind of like a um, a villain face. He looked a lot like uh, Captain Radel from Wonder Woman from the Feminine Mystique episodes. Get really fucking obscure on you, girl. <laughs> oh, so he had his own face. You could clip that off. You could clip on a Steve Austin face so he could impersonate. <gasps> oh, sick. This doll could impersonate another up. doll. And then the Steve Austin masked it, and it came with an Oscar Goldman mask. So you could impersonate Steve's boss. It was like the greatest toy yeah, ever created. Yeah, that's a damn good toy. For David. Wow. Like for me, uh, loving transformations, loving things. I, it was, oh my God, I loved it so much. I, I'll post a picture of it on Please the website. Please do. And uh, yeah, I would, I would love to, I can look on eBay, see if I can get my hands on one again. I gotta look and see if they're very expensive right now because they're. If it comes with all the faces, I'll bet it's. Yeah, and he had arm like price. arm attachments too, like a gun and a and a thing that shot a um, like a, a suction cup like thing. It was uh-huh. it was really cool and and panels that popped out of his chest like computer diode oh, very panels because cool. it was all robot shit. So thank you for asking. You're welcome. So let's get back to the facts of life now. We are back in the school cafeteria. And uh, he's coming. We, we learn that he's going to be there, and Joe has said yes. So there is some preparation going on for this uh, new student, best new student award, but we don't quite know where it's happening. Mm-mm. But it's not happening at the cafeteria. But you said you saw cupcakes there? Yes, maybe there's some sort of post-award a ceremony there's reception. A reception. You're right. And at this reception, there is... Um, We'll get to it. Uh, Blair comes in with a little joke saying, oh, your dad's at the administration building. He's here. I learned a secret about you, Joe. And it's like, Tootie is, of course, like, what? No, no secrets. No, don't blow that. No. And Blair's like, Joe is actually short for Joanna Marie. (laughs) Wipe the brow after that one, right, everyone? And Blair, you knew that from the day you met Joe when you looked at the room assignments printed on the wall and you read Joanna Marie Palmiazek and made a comment about how to pronounce the last name. That was one of the first fights you ever had with Joe, Blair Warner. So I'm wagging my finger at the writers here. That was bad writing. Shame Blair on them. knows Joe's full Could we name. blame it on Blair's bleach? The bleach. <laughs> She's suffering from bleach brain, which is really tough. Um, so what happens is he comes in, he's met the girls. He said, Hey, I've, you know, already heard a lot about you. I know a lot about you. And Mrs. Garrett, of course, she's, you know, your, your sort of your keeper. And Natalie says, yeah. And our warden, Tootie's <laughs> <Ooh>. like, <laughs> no, no, ixnay, <laughs> So all of this, it's so fraught. And at one point, Joe says, let me pour you a cup of coffee. This is a device to get Joe to spill some coffee on her skirt, necessitating her to leave the room. But before we do that, we get to talk about the fucking coffee again. I am back talking about coffee again. There is a big ass coffee vending machine in the parlor game room. Yes. There is also in the background of this very set, every single episode, I'm pulling it up for you to see it right now. Every single episode 
for the entire time it takes place in the cafeteria has these gigantic coffee urns <gasps> in the background right by the door to the stairs to the bedrooms. So why is there now this 1980s orangey brown percolator sitting on a table over here from which they have to pour this cup of coffee? Well, Facts of life. But look at the beauty of that shiny orange <laughs> Le Creuset-like oh coffee God. pot. We had one like this growing up. My mom absolutely had that same one with that burnt orangey the shitty side of orange brown right. color. Yeah. That's the show one though. That's the that's the for company. You know oh. how you have towels? <laughs> you have towels that are like the nice makeup stained. The nice china. Those are my everyday towels. Yeah, the nice china. This is Right. <laughs> you have you have good towels for show that you don't wipe your hands on and then you have towels for company that they can use. I, this is the Wow. This is the company okay. coffee urn. You 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 put up a good argument. So Joe, as I said, spills some coffee on her skirt, has to run upstairs and change her skirt. Dad sits down and talks with the kids, and they talk about some stuff. He had mentioned to Joe earlier about wanting to maybe do some stuff with the stock market. I did kind of tighten up a bit when he did that because it was kind of like, oh, God, is I forget. I didn't know what happened in the episode. I forgot. And I was like, does he get involved in some type of a shitty investment scheme or something? But... He talks about wanting to maybe, he talks about following the stock market because he might want to get into that when he gets out of prison. So in the course of this, he's talking to Blair and he is keeping up the front that he's a truck driver from Miami. Mm -hmm. But then he mentions uh, something about stock. Um, Blair mentions that Warner Textile Mills have a warehouse in Miami. Perhaps as a truck driver, he's driven a truck by there. <laughs> And so they're having a lovely, friendly conversation. And Joe walks in just as Blair says, well, I think you could certainly work the stock market in spite of your background, in spite of where you've been type of talk. And Joe instantaneously goes DEFCON 5. Yep. Where, okay, so now you know. You couldn't keep your mouth shut, could you? And you had to tell my friends. And Tootie is like, no, Joe, no, Tootie tries to contain the chemical spill and can't do it. Joe's a teenager. She's got emotions. She's got to feel her feels. So she's like, you know what? I don't want you here. I was doing perfectly fine without you. Get out of my life and stay out. And she leaves. And so now Joe's dad is left. And he's like, well, I guess I'm, I'm not wanted here. I'm going to go. And our Mrs. Garrett nurturing mother talk is between her and the dad a nice little twist here mm -hmm. it's between her and mr p where she and in beautifully calculated says kind of you know looking off to the side like um oh so that's where she gets it from what do you mean that's where she gets it from and she proceeds to say every time joe is faced with anything difficult, she runs away. She leaves the room and she runs off. Now I know where she gets it from. Mm -hmm. And she has some beautiful advice. And she says, your daughter is hurting. This is not the time to run away. And he's like, well, she doesn't want me here. And she says, the, the beautiful, did you write down the beautiful line? I did. Did you write it down? I did too. But let you, I want to let you say it. Don't you think it's time that one of you stopped running? Is that your Mrs. Gary? It was horrible. <laughs> don't, oh, don't. don't you think don't you think it's time that one of you stopped <laughs> running? That's so it awful. Was, it, it got, I wish it, I had time to practice. It was that. so much it better the second better. time. Was it? It was so much Thank better. Thank you. I'm gonna quit while I'm ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the clincher, right? I mean that's That was that, a boom. Like from a writing standpoint, home fucking run. Yeah. Facts of life, you have got it going on. That was extraordinary. And how interesting that he was the one that kind of needed the talking to because she, as the kid that had to grow up too fast, mm -hmm. probably, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, just deals with it the only way a 16-year-old could. And Mrs. Garrett knew, well, let's click yeah. in on this guy because I know that they probably both want to go there with each other and yeah. take steps to have a relationship. But... And she's not going to leave. He's the one I got to keep here. If I'm yep. going to try to, if any um, fences are going to be built or bridge, any bridging going to happen, yeah. he, I need to make sure he doesn't leave. Right. 
So beautiful. Miss, this is Mrs. Garrett in all of her superpower, gorgeous glory, and it made me happy at the core of my soul. This is literally everything that this show is about in its best form, I swear. So we go up to the bedroom now for the final scene of the show. Do, 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 do. And do, do. it's not that kind of bedroom scene. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> How was that? That was so funny. Not as bad as James Bondy, no. but <laughs> James Bondy just walked he in just the room, ladies the and room. gentlemen. Say hi, James. Hi, James. <laughs> See, it was him. It's him. <laughs> but yeah, the deal is Blair is now being the one, the frenemy relationship for how often Blair and Joe are at each other's throats. At the core of it is always they support each other. Mm -hmm. And this is Blair coming again once to the Blair Warner story of I am perfect, I'm fabulous, but she is very upfront that I, yeah, my life is fabulous and I'm pretty and wealthy. I had three fathers and none of them paid much attention to me. Mm -hmm. They were just all about fucking my mom. So... You know, and she goes into that again. And she says, similar to the Molly uh, episode when Molly's mad at her dad in season one about telling her that the parents are getting a divorce. She says, um, you know what? None of them came to see me. This, your dad is here. He's here and he's here to see you. That counts for something. You may not think that, but it does. And um, then we uh, have him come in. Then he comes in for the final, sort of the final talk. We're winding things up. And there is a a, a well-done, well-played back and forth. Um, you know, she's still mad at him and says, you weren't there. You ran out on us. You want, you want us to be father and daughter? You want me to get all happy and involve you in my life so you can take off on me again? No, not going to do it. Um, and he says, well, I'm here now. And she says, that's not enough. And he says, well, it's a start. Mm-hmm. Very important line. Very good. And at the very end, uh, he says, um, uh, and she, she's sort of like, why should I give you another chance? And he says, um, because I'm your father and I said so. Boom. The <laughs> father being a father. Yeah. And That's I happen to love you. Yeah. I think also comes into play as well. And so uh, this moment of, realization happens and mrs garrett comes in and says joe we need to get to this ceremony where you're getting this award that you know we this award happening where i still haven't quite told you where it's at let's say the auditorium right it's happening in a lecture hall somewhere but we need to get going for that so and you you want to get a good seat it's like she's getting the award i would think she would already have a reserve <laughs> seat but we're not going to go there because she says you know, you want to get a good seat. And Joe says, yeah, I want a good seat right next to my dad. Aww. And it's all, oh, and the heart is warm. go together and all is happy and good and right in the land. But they of... got there too late and they had to sit separately. Oh. And then the dad brought um, a flask with him and he got drunk and walked up on stage, <laughs> star is born style. And grabbed the award out of her hand and pissed himself. Oh. This is in the outtakes on the DVD. Yeah. This is the extra extra features. He Kanye Wested a Taylor Swift <laughs> moment, and there you go. <laughs> oh, sweet, loving Mary. Well, Heather. David. I am so happy I got you to do this. Thanks for having me. It was fun. I, I hope you had fun doing if this. If you I ever you... do a no offense to Nancy McKeon and the girls. Mm -hmm. If you ever do a series about... Um, Giada De Laurentiis or uh, Ina Garten, anything food related. Uh huh. I'd like to be invited back for that. I I would love to have you back <laughs> on one of those shows that I promise you I will never ever do. Um, if I if I do another show once this is over, this is a four year commitment. You realize doing one episode every week for two hundred episodes. When I started this, it's like I'm in this for four years. Shoot. If I don't want to take a break, if I want to really commit to it. So once it's done, it occurs to me, I'm I'm going to do it. I don't yeah. have any doubt that I'm going to complete this project, but I do have to think what will happen afterwards. Because at, at the moment, we're like 25 episodes in, but it's like I feel like I enjoy it enough that I will want to keep on doing it. So I'm going to have to find another show to do. Yes. But I think it'll have to be... It'll have to be a sitcom from my youth. It's right, going to have to have the nostalgia. Like a different strokes or... Um, yeah, what I, else? Have, I have some ideas and I don't even want to say them. Don't say them. 
I want to keep him private. It's it's part of the private private side of me that I won't share. So thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for inviting me. I hope you are able to come back and we can do this again maybe. Thanks. I enjoyed it. All right. Bye, Heather. Bye, Davey. And there you have it. That was Heather Delmott. She is the only person in my life who has ever and who currently calls me Davy. I don't know where it came from, yet somehow coming from her, it suits me. It just seems to work. I think she also has our mutual friend, Debbie Hansen, calling me Davy by extension, but I'm pretty sure that Heather's the one that started it. Heather, as you could hear, is just sweet and crazy and amazingly fun and funny. And uh, if you're at all interested in the citizens of Hollywood, her very good friend, Betty Shambles, is one of the most popular and beloved characters. Just look up her hashtag on Instagram and you'll see Betty in all of her hilarious glory. I hope you enjoyed my Rain Man level dissertation on Maskatron. Wow. I started to cut it and was going to put it in the extras, and then I looked and was like, well, the episode's actually not particularly long this week. I could actually spare the three or four minutes. And I'm like, eh, the show's about nostalgia. So I thought, what the heck? I just left it in there. You're welcome. So um, let's just wrap this baby up. Next week, I'm going to be watching season two, episode 13, called Bought and Sold, with another special surprise guest. In the meantime, let me go through my regular spiel. Check out our website, facethefactspod.com. That's where you can find a lot of extra pictures, videos, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. You can find ways to contact me and let me know what you think about the show. You can find links to social media. You can find links to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcatchers. And while we're talking about that, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever fine podcasts are found. And if you'd write an actual review with words as opposed to just clicking the stars, you know I would so, so appreciate it. Anyhow, this is it. We're at the end of the show. And we're at show number 25. This is my, this is my silver show. I, I don't know what that means or what to do about that other than, wow, I've made it this far. And at the moment, I see no stopping or no end in sight. So thanks so much for coming along the journey and for continuing this. And remember, the facts of life are all about you.